One, two, three. Once Upon a Wander. Welcome to Once Upon a Wander. Today we're here with traveler Georgie Watt, who's had a few different seasonal jobs in different places throughout the U.S. and in Panama. And today he's going to tell us about his experience as a volunteer at the Ratnalang Retreat Center in Northern California. He was there in 2017 volunteering for the Yeshi Day Project. The idea was to help preserve the Tibetan culture through text because of its threat of destruction by the Chinese. So Georgie, welcome and let's get to it. What was your initial impression upon arriving at Ratnalang? Okay, so when we first got there we had like two days to settle in. Pulled up to like this gated facility, so it's totally gated, it's huge and gated, which I'm told is about the boars because there's a lot of boars in the Sierra Nevadas. It was so empty, so empty. And like, I, I mean, like, how can I describe it? Okay, there's this main center. There's like big dining area and it's got wonderful patios and this the outdoor garden there that surrounds the building. They have like a, a stream that's throughout the patio system. It's gorgeous and it just mm -hmm. looks out over Odeon over the nearby Odeon Retreat yeah, Center. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they have you the meditation. You can see it from it's their garden. All connected, the meditation center and then the library, which mm -hmm. is impressive and beautiful as well. Off to the wayside, up a little higher, because it's all on hilltops, um, big pines. Uh, they they actually had their own fire engine, and they were volunteer firefighters because they got in trouble with building the uh, book bindery up there. You know, Tarthang Tolka just came in and was like, I'm just going to build this. And he didn't, like, check if there were zoning laws. They just, hippies just built it, you know. <laughs> Good. Big pole barn type. <laughs> it's ugly, a cheap thing. The people who live there and run the place were all aging, and there didn't seem to be a lot of young people. Um, that's not to say there weren't young people. It's just the focus wasn't about creating an environment for young people. Mm -hmm. It was It was like an elderly sort of facility. What does an average day look like? So you're expected morning sunrise. You're expected to be at the stupa to walk around it, you know, 11 times and chant And that was awesome. And then we'd like do a light reading of like a scripture or something and explain it, talk about it, just say hello, basically. Every morning? Every morning. Can you describe a little bit of the staff experience? At first it felt like they were putting on a show for us being new, but they consistently throughout the month did cool things like they read the Conjure and Tondra scriptures on a full moon mm -hmm. and something for a new moon. And so they were like, 
they through were, a little staff events. They, they were doing stuff. Small staff. Yeah. Cool. But they were the type of people who kind of kept to themselves. Okay. And, you know, you'd have dinner with them once in a while. It was nice. And they enjoyed talking. But, not, you know, it was... It was a little more sterile than like yeah. the Menlo experience yeah. where everyone's kind of there to be friends and hang out and have a good summer. And you were there with your girlfriend, right? Yeah. Did you guys get to share a room or did they have strict like, yeah, so they're, male, they're, female? Actually, their facility is really nice. They're cabins with two beds and a bathroom. It's very simple. How was the food? It was like family style, big buffet family style. Good food, actually. One of the girls was like a vegan chef, and then there was an older woman who also tended the gardens, who kind of ran the kitchen. Did a lot of the food come from the gardens? No, that garden was not okay. producing. It's interesting. Everybody there, every old person there, had a hobby to make sure that they didn't have to go volunteer at the Yeshi Day bookbinding project. <laughs> <laughs> so the bookbinding project was mostly run by people who would drive in from Odeon. So what, what actually did you physically do in this bookbinding place? Okay, so when you bind a book, there's leaflet. Pages get printed on a yeah. big page. Page gets folded. Each one of these gets piled up in certain stacks, and then you physically put them into the book bindery, which is like a long thing, mm -hmm. just a long machine, the whole length of the factory, and you put all the leaflets or chat there's a word for them in order and then you start the machine the book gets put together it gets chopped on all sides it gets pressed and it comes out beautiful and then someone at the very end is throwing them into boxes yeah, it's exhausting it's exhaust it's well it, it's nice and it's meditative factory mm -hmm. work is extremely yeah. meditative repetitive work is yeah so it's cool to work around these people who have been very focused on something that you know was like feeding them immensely and had a lot of value. No. We did the bookbinding one day out of the 30 days I was there. You only did it one time? Exactly. There's a lot of sheets that don't get printed right. Tarthang Talku is extremely reverent about Sanskrit texts. So even if it's printed, if it has Sanskrit lettering on it, it has to be kept. They have 40 years worth of old text that wasn't used in a book. They kept it all. They didn't know what to do with it, so then they asked him, and he, Tarthang Tolku meditated on it, and said, we'll put them inside the stupas. Well, to make sure it's not a giant fire hazard of just like pallet after pallet of these giant things. I would take a pallet out, and I would just take tons and tons of what should be recycled material and put it into plastic vacuum seal bags and vacuum sealed them and then put them on a new pallet and just made these vacuum sealed bricks to what? put inside a stupa and that's what i did every day for 30 days for why were there for so 10 many hours a day in sanskrit well it's just part of the binding process there's just you print six too many sheets of this and five too many sheets of that or this ream this whole 80 sheet ream didn't do well or you know and it's got a smudge on it we did work on palleting conjures and tondras though i should say that i didn't do the vacuum sealing all the time we actually had conjures and tondras that we wrapped in silk those two books words of the buddha and the commentary on the words of the buddha we did probably one solid week of just wrapping those scrolls 
and putting them on a pallet to get them ready. 20 or 30 pallets of that, which is incredible. That's a ton of scripts. Is this a non-profit? Yeah, so that all goes to, like, monks. monks. All new monks get, like, a conjure and tonsure. Oh, okay. Bhutan, Vietnam, northern India. But they're sending English copies of this No, text. no, no. These are the Sanskrit texts. Oh, you're sending Sanskrit. Right. The binding of the books is all in English, though. The book binder oh. is all in English. The, the scrolls... The way they do scrolls in Tibet is really long rectangular sheets of paper that are all stacked on top of each other. And then you open it and you just, one page at a time, flip it over. And um, they think that that's a much better way to preserve it. And it is if you keep it in the silk. How many volunteers were working on putting papers in the stupa with you? How many? Six people. And how many working on the actual binding of the books? Two guys. And then the publishing lady upstairs where Dharma Publishing runs its business. And there's a couple proofreading. What was the agreement? Did you have to pay them a little bit? Did they give you a no. stipend? No, it was no stipend. It was completely free volunteering for room and board. Okay. So the kitchen was open. They had a staff fridge. They were really strict on alcohol and drugs and like none of that. How many hours a day would you work? I did 10, and then on Fridays we would do 8, 6 days a week. You worked 6 days a week? Yeah. Yeah. 10 hour days? Yeah. It was more for meditation. It was like, okay. meditate so and who, learn. So who and would you recommend this experience to, and who would you say should look for something different? People who uh, uh, feel passionate about the Tibet story about the history of what's happened in Tibet, like mm -hmm. activists, cause-oriented people okay. who are interested in the cause or interested in uh, lineage or books because mm -hmm. the amount of resources there in, in books is incredible. And if you could make one change to, to how things worked over there, what would you add or take away? I think they were in a process of realizing that they needed to change. I thought I was aware that they started a stipend program mm -hmm. just to attract young people. Mm -hmm. Another thing is groups. I think in the month I was there of June, there was only like two groups, maybe three that came through. Groups that were renting out the retreat center. There was like a writer's retreat once. Okay. I think they were doing, they were trying their best with the community. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's small. It's people who look for isolation and quiet and... Okay. And you can really, if you don't want to volunteer in the book bindery, there's a million other things you can probably do for them mm -hmm. on your own terms. Like, I think they need help on, like, websites and, like, cool. things like, you know. So it's the kind of place you could probably just email and tell them your skills and see if they are, might need help. Yeah. What else? There's a lot of nature. That's it. A lot of nature. A lot of nature. Yeah. Yeah, you can, it's a huge, it's a it huge area. It looks barren from the photos. It's a little barren and it's very wild. Too. What like tree? I didn't even see trees. What's there's there? actually uh, redwoods close by. Yeah. Yeah, it's in it's in redwoods for sure. Can and you walk to somewhere to to be hidden from you people? Can, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's plenty of nature, and then you can walk all the way down to the Pacific Ocean if you want. It's just set right back from Highway One, so um, you can actually walk from there to. I think it's called Bigfoot Beach. It's pretty off the beaten path. I think that's it. Thank you, Georgie. You're welcome. That's awesome. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our first episode of Once Upon a Wander. 
and I'm as excited as you are to see what happens for episode two. Once. Are once. you saying once? <laughs> once. <laughs>